Hello, friends and folks, and welcome back to Neutral Game, your newbie-friendly fighting game podcast. I'm Six the Crow. Oh, God, this is what you were doing. <laughs> this is what I stopped you to be like, wait, 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 I've got a plan for, yes. Yeah, well, uh, hi, I'm Real Soviet, the bear, also known as Mudra Kovacevic. Welcome to the... Uh, Neutral Game Podcast, that was an intro that was completely unscripted, and now everything's off the rails. The rules no longer apply to this episode. Um, and the reason the rules no longer apply to this episode is because we're talking about a retro fighting game, which we played online, even though it's a PS1 game without netplay, because of the wonders of technology. Um, wow. So this name is sadly no longer called Beastorizer. Sorry. Beastorizer. Uh, it's called Bloody Roar 2. Uh, Beastorizer was the original name of it in North America only, because Bloody Roar in general was, I guess, not cool enough. Uh, but then they changed for Bloody Roar 2, and it's Bloody Roar 2 and Bloody Roar in general onwards. Uh, and it's a game made by uh, Aiding or Raising, which are mostly popular, mostly known for uh, uh, shoot-em-ups they do, or shmups. Uh, it was published by Hudson Soft, which eventually got eaten up by Konami and is now pa- part of the uh, managery of Konami, which they probably bring back for pachinkos and weird cameos and Bomberman. Um, and it's a game re- released for the PS1 in 1999. Six, are you familiar with this game? Uh only so until now i was only aware of it like i saw someone playing a demo of it at an eb games once upon a time and then um and then you were like hey i think this game is good and let's play it and that was my first time getting hands on any of the bloody roar series uh that's weird because usually you just try any fighting game much like me but uh i guess i'm the one that just does the uh, digging too deep and too greedily into the past to bring back these cursed objects. Um, yeah, I don't do as much emulation, and so it tends to be um, like I I have nothing against emulation. It's just it just doesn't tend to be where I spend my time, um, and so I tend to only play fighting games that I like get hands on my a physical copy of, um, and I just didn't get my hands on a copy of this, so it never came up. Yeah, I have a PSN copy of this game, so my conscience is clear. Um, oh, it, really? It's on PSN. I, be- I believe at least the first one's on PSN. That's the one I do have. If I ha- if they had okay. two, I'd buy it. Um, I'll I'll take a look because if it's if it's up there, I I will I will purchase it. I like this. Yeah. Spoilers, uh, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, we. So I'm familiar somewhat with this game, uh, and and this is one of those fighting games uh, that I played a lot, but I never learned. And then mm. you know because it doesn't really have an online scene, I never went back to it. Uh, and I never, like, got, like, much better at it like I did with a lot of uh, uh, MAME games. Because, you know, a lot of, like, arcade MAME games are, like, easier to emulate. And uh, a lot of people make their MAME cabinets and play online with fight Fightcade and whatnot. And this is in the PS1 era, which is um, kind of weird to get going and find people to play with. Uh, but what we did do is... Uh, we played, so we played for around... I'd say two and a half hours total in preparation for this, so we apologize if we mess up any details about this game. We're not super knowledgeable about it beyond just, you know, playing it. Um, mm-hmm. But what we did use to play this is initially Parsec, where I was hosting and Six was connecting. But it seems like Parsec servers have kind of taken a uh, 
diving quality for some reason, so our connection wasn't as great. Um, yeah, if I had to guess, I I just think probably with with the uh, with the um quarantine and 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 like lockdown that a lot of people are going through, probably they're seeing a lot more use than they're used to. Actually, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that uh, because last time we like went deep dive into Parsec was like like a month and a half ago, and then it seemed to be fine. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, those games that shall not be named, like Kinsaden and the um, Capcom vs. SNK. Actually, that one we can't name. That was good. Um, the other thing we tried now uh, before recording is a uh, emulator called uh, Mednafen or Mednafen. I don't know how you properly pronounce it. Uh, we used a guide that's it's essentially an emulator that allows netplay um, and allows PS1 games. And we kind of followed a guide that was made by the TMNT Tournament Fighters Discord uh, and just you know, ran a different game, which was Bloody Roar, and it seemed to work fine. Um, you said your connection was better than it was in Parsec, right? Yeah, it seems like what happened was, I mean, what Parsec does, obviously, is that it hosts on your machine, and then the other person sort of, like, like remotes in, and so latency is pretty much uh, all offloaded to the person who's remoting in, because one person is the host, one person is connecting, or more than one person, obviously, is possible. Mm-hmm. Um and what it seemed like Bednaffin did was it split the difference, where I felt less latency, but you started to feel more, so it sort of was in the middle there. Yeah, um, yeah, because like I'm not connecting online to Parsec in terms of like connecting to a match, so I had no latency, I just had the game running, whereas here we mm-hmm. connected to you know, a shared server and just played with each other. Right, right. Um, I was I was pretty positive on the experience, and also... Uh, pretty impressed by the list of uh, systems that Madnafin appears to support. Uh, it seems seems like a pretty impressive emulator. So yeah, yeah, and then the the matches, the set we did uh, seemed alright. Took me a bit to get used to it, but like I'd say it's you know on the level of some Arc system works on a not great day. Mm-hmm. And yeah, not like not like terrible. We have at times had Arxis like just a real bad time. This is as as you say it's more like one of those ones where it's like mm, this isn't like one of the this isn't one of the great days but this is still playable. Like yeah, I can like adjust to this. Mm-hmm. Uh and you know disclaimer I'm in like northern Europe and sex isn't like west coast. So there's and also it's possible that the internet gets slowed down by smoke in which case it would be real bad right now. <laughs> oh man. Talk about smoke and mirror strategies. Uh. <laughs> Actually, no, I shouldn't joke about that. It's very tragic as much as the rest of this year. But let's talk about fighting games instead. Um, so, uh, Blade Roar is a 3D fighting game where, at first glance, you think, oh, this is another, you know, Tekken Virtua Fighter clone. But it actually plays much faster and it plays closer to uh, a 2D game. It's not the, in my opinion, it's not like full on. Um, Street Fighter, uh, like, EX. Like, it's not, like, that type of uh, weird. It's more... um, It's more the speed of an anime fighter, and the 3D plane is only really there for, uh, you know, when you roll out of recovery or when a move uh, shoots you, like, back or forward. But otherwise, the characters have a lot of uh, air, uh, decent juggles, and decent speed in general. Yeah, I mean, uh, people use the term 2.5D uh, a lot of different ways, um, which makes it not particularly useful. 
Um, but I think that is a decent representation. This is 2.5D in the sense that it is um, like it is uh, the 3D graphics, mostly 2D gameplay with the occasional 3D element. Yeah, yeah. Like, like if you play the match, your character will be you know rolling around. Uh, like you won't be like on a, a straight line. Like you will end up in various parts of the ring, but that's mostly due to you know the way you're hit or the way you recover uh, and things like that. There's not really that much focus on sidestepping um, or in general like 3D movement, like in say uh, Tekken or Virtua Fighter or Dead or Alive. Even. Right. I even I even believe in the options that like sidestepping is an option you have to toggle on if you want that, so the game doesn't seem like it's actually designed for that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, good. No, I just and as you mentioned, as a consequence, um, it I think it manages to keep a much faster pace than those those other three D fighters are capable of because you don't have that additional element. You can just focus on you know the one v one run at them. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um, and I kind of like that because that means that, like, you can obviously probably on a high level plan for where you want to position yourself and when you want to position the opponent, but you can't really do it on reaction. It's more just like adapting. So, like, you get you can get out of the corner if you're in a corner, for example, but you can't, like, you know, dodge a charge that easily. You're probably going to block that charge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and it also does have um, like you know like quarter circle motions and stuff like a like a like a more traditional two D fighter would. Yes, um, but the main mechanic about this game is essentially that characters turn into were critters or were beasties or whatever you want to call them furries zoanthropes 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 whatever. yeah that's like the, the uh, uh, I think zoanthrope is actually like the official, like, term, like, in general, but mm-hmm. they call them zoanthropes, like, with an A. Uh, oh. Whatever, whatever. They're, they're, they're be- we're beasties. Um, and aside from, like, a punch, kick, and a throw, which is your standard issue, fighting game uh, inputs, you, the fourth button is actually the beast button, and that's the, you know, most versatile button in this game, and probably the closest thing to a drive uh, from Blaze Blue, I'd say. Um, so when you press a uh, beast, bu- so you have you have a gauge aside from your health, but you have another extra gauge, which is your beast gauge. And at any point, uh, you can uh, press circle if that gauge is yellow. You can press circle, and you can turn into uh, your character's beast form. And each character has a predefined beast form, so it's not like you're picking loadouts or whatever. Um, and then that circle button turns into your uh, uh, beast attack button. So you get like a new range of moves, um, and attacks that are uh, dedicated to that button, uh, and also specials. Um, and you can transform in neutral, uh, or when blocking, or um, mid combo as well. And they have different effects. So like if you uh transform in neutral or in defense, you have kind of pushback. Uh, if you transform mid-combo, you don't push away the opponent, but instead just continue your combo that you're doing while in beast mode, which is uh, can lead to some, some like uh, interesting tactics and juggles. And you can also use your super, which, if you use your super, will deplete your uh, beast gauge. And what the beast gauge then turns into once you're in like beast mode, it's a static, it doesn't build up anymore. Um, and, but when you take damage... Um, the beast uh, gauge goes becomes uh, smaller and smaller, 
and when it reaches zero, if a strong enough attack hits you, you go back to human form and your beast cage is blocked uh, from use until it replenishes enough. And you replenish it over time or by doing damage and so on. Um, and another side effect from the beast mode is uh, this game has great health, uh, like a lot of tag team fighting games. Uh, so while you're in beast mode, you regenerate your gray health uh, uh, as well. Yeah, I was really impressed by like the number of things like... I feel like there's a lot of these games. I know this is the second entry, but even so, like there's a lot of these games that have like this, I mean, gimmick, right? Um, where it's like, okay, we've got our unique our unique mechanic for this game that sets us apart from other fighting games. Um, but even compared to like modern fighting games, the versatility of the of the beast gauge and the beast button is really impressive to me where it feels like I don't know, you can play a game like, um, what's a good example? You could play um, Marvel vs. Capcom 3 and have fights where you never use your um, X-Factor, right? Mm-hmm. That's like that's that's perfectly feasible, is to, is to do, do games where it's like, that just never really comes up for you. Um, if you're, like, if you're playing someone who's, at all a challenge to you. I mean, I guess if it's a complete curb stomp, you wouldn't, but I feel like 90% of games, the beast gauge is not just something you use, but something that ends up being part of what decides how the match goes. Yeah, because um, you get a lot, you can deal a lot of damage in one go and one good juggle or even one good hit if it's a powerful attack. Uh, it seems like a lot of characters here uh, subscribe to the Paul school of special deleting like half of your health bar. Um, and you can have, uh, a pretty bad time if you beast mode and the opponent just hits you under recovery, uh, or just wins the neutral and your beast mode just, uh, depletes. It's gone. Like you wasted it. And that's a really bad feeling. Um, and it can happen and, you know, it happened to us a few times. Um, Mm -hmm. there is a thing where you do get to keep the beast, uh, gauge between rounds, so like if you're in beast form and the round ends and you go to the next round, you're still in beast form. So that like gauges, um, it stays as it is between the rounds. Um, so if you, for example, get kicked out of beast mode uh, at the end of a round uh, by your opponent, then you start the next round not only without your beast gauge, but you have to wait until it recovers until you can use it again. And when you can use it again, you can use it you know when it's half full, but that just means that you know, well, I'm going to use it now immediately, which means it's going to get depleted much faster because if I take damage, it gets lower. So if I use it with the, the, the gauge is half full, uh, I don't have as much versatility. Uh, so there's a lot of... I, I think, like, like usually on mid to high level play, at least from what I like can assume from, like, our sessions, is that when you decide to use it is probably the, uh, like, big decision that decides the match, kind of like even more so than a bad burst, you know, in, in Guilty Gear or Blaze Blue. Mm-hmm. But not to a degree that it feels like like too gimmicky or too unfair. Like, you, st- you still can totally beat someone who uses their gauge smarter than you if you, you know, beat them in other elements of the game. Um, I'm just, I'm really impressed by the way they balanced it. Yeah, yeah, because you can also, like, if you're still in human form, you can definitely kick the person out of beast mode. You just... But you just uh, 
have less margin for error, because if you mess up, you can get punished more severely than if your opponent was in human form, but you can still do it. It's not like, you know, it's not like X-Factor to go back to that, where you're just, oh god, like, I'm, I'm gonna get just overwhelmed and, like, run over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure, and I think um, it was it was one of the elements where also... The other, the other, the other way this can go is when an, a mechanic is that prevalent, you can feel kind of lost by its depth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that happened either, right? Like I, I certainly wouldn't say that I managed to tap the well of of the strategy in Bloody Roar Two. It's not like, well, why would I go back to that game? I've mastered it. No, 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 no. <laughs> I have not. Um, but um, I did feel like I could make use of the beast gauge. Without it, like, and, and it would have an effect on my game, but, like, it wasn't necessarily make or break. I, I, you know, again, I'm just saying they, they balanced it really well and its effect on gameplay and how, how intuitive it was to use while still having depth. Uh, I just I just was very impressed by that mechanic. It, it's really interesting how, like, how easy to understand the mechanic is and how neatly it fits into everything. Like you said, like, it feels like a, like a modern fighting game. It doesn't feel like it's from, you know the late 90s and i'm kind of thinking about blaze blue and like i don't i think beast like beast button here and blade roar like worked very similarly in layer one but let's just assume this was you know like an iteration they add more stuff like this was two iteration two attempts to get to this point and think about how many attempts it took blaze blue to get you know to figure out what to do with their burst like that was like every game changing the burst and the guard mechanics completely because they weren't sure what to do exactly yeah yeah it's 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 definitely a challenge of these games and i think i mean to to um to to blaze blue's defense a little bit Blaze Blue is certainly a, a more mechanically complex game. Like part of Blaze Blue's problem is that they're balancing that against the number of other mechanics and also character specific mechanics they're already dealing with. Whereas mm-hmm. Bloody Roar Two uh, is not like not like crazy simple, but like you know this isn't this isn't like oh man every character has like five unique gauges, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely has less systems going for it. I just find like like interesting how they managed to nail this, especially for you know being a you know shmup studio for most part like i find i find all that very interesting um and and like i said like like the the biggest thing about this is you know you're playing like old like like i i think from all the old fighting games i think the ones that probably played the best from you know the ps1 era still are probably you know tekken and virtua fighter like that's probably the closest but even going back to the old ones from that it's it's pretty rough and this felt really smooth. So again, it, it's it seems really easy to go back to. I wonder why it hasn't been remastered or you know re-released or something. Well, I mean, I have a I have a guess, which is well, whoever's whoever's involved with it, which is yeah. yeah, the studio aiding is not just doesn't seem to have the kind of pull to make something like that happen. Yeah, but in any case, that's that's enough of us saying how amazing the mechanics are. What about uh, the cast? So we're not going to talk about the story because the story is really, the story is basically if you've seen X Men, that's that's the story. Except replace mutants with the uh, Zoonotherps or whatever. It's basically that. Uh, but yeah, we had we had a diverse cast. Uh, we played with the two unlockable characters, so I think that put the entire um, set of characters to like eleven. I think. Um, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. 
So how do you feel about the cast? Um, I guess, I guess mixed to be honest. Um, I liked some, some characters. I liked their move lists decently, but there are definitely a number of characters that felt very, I know we, we had, uh, Bushuzima, who's like the chameleon, who just seemed like a, a weird character that appealed to no one. Um, there's Jenny the bat, who I don't appreciate the way she's rendered. <laughs> um, and then like a lot of these characters just felt very similar, I think, um, in a way that I found a little disappointing. Um, the the art design, like I think the graphics look good for a, for a PS1 game. But a lot of the designs don't feel super inspired to me. I think definitely the human forms uh, suffer from '90s shonen anime fighting game. Like, mm-hmm. like even like like the main character and you know female leads, they just feel like yeah, you can find the equivalent of these and in, uh, in a lot of anime fighters or of that era. Um, but I think the beast forms are probably the things that stick out. But even though we said that uh, this is, you know, oh, this is like actually a 2D fighting game disguised in a 3D environment, it does have that issue with uh, 3D fighting games where you don't really appreciate the nuance between the characters until you spend more time with them. Like kind of like like Tekken, you know, when you when you first play Tekken, everybody kind of feels similar unless they have some very outlandish moveset. Mm-hmm. Um. So I definitely like did feel like I had an easier time moving around with certain characters than others. Like like with Sheena, I just could not you know connect. Or with uh, Long slash Shen Long, I just could not figure out how to play. Whereas with uh, um, Alice and the Rabbit, yeah, no, no, the, 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 she's the, the only rabbit. one. Who, yeah, that's sorry. You're that's, right. <laughs> that, yeah, she's the only one who gets like the nice beast mode. But I think. <laughs> Like, like, Alice and Hugo were pretty fine uh, for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, like, I didn't have any issues with playing Jenny in terms of, like, controlling her, uh, whereas, like, you couldn't figure out how the inputs were. So I think there's some nuance there, but I definitely can see on the surface level uh, it has a 3D fighting game problem where unless they have some ridiculously different stance, you know, the first impression is going to be, like, I can't really tell the differences between them. Like, I had that when... Um, like, heck, even when I played the Real Life 5, that's a recent fighting game, when I started playing that for the first time, I was like, I can't really tell what the difference between these characters is until I was, like, you know, six hours in or something. Sure, sure. I feel like, yeah, you're right, that that it is it is easier to tell the difference between these characters. I, um, I had some fun with Stun the Insect, which I think is a terrible name, um, but he's basically the, the grappler character. And this game's interpretation of a grappler I found pretty interesting, where he has a lot of um, what we usually call projectile throws, right? Like hit throws, where they Mm -hmm. don't break guard. It's just it does a grapple move upon hit. And so you do like a couple of punches and then turn it into like grabbing them out of the air and slamming them into the ground, um, which was kind of fun. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of uh, Bullet from Blaze Blue. Sure, sure. Less, uh, well, I guess... He seemed less shitty, but I guess I don't know. I think he's less shitty. Um, but I do think that at least like when you turn into beast mode, the characters, like the beast button is a thing that has very unique looking moves. You know, like, mm-hmm. yes, like, like this, they have slashes for most part, but like how they do the slashes is very different. And, you know, like pressing circle with uh, the rabbit uh, looked very different from pressing circle with uh, the leopard. 
for sure for sure or uh a lot of uh, and it's also interesting to see sort of the way they use the the beast modes to sort of exaggerate their personality right where mm-hmm. like you can see that like like for example with sheena you can tell that sheena is supposed to have this like very practical ruthless style but it's still just martial arts and then she turns into a leopard and it really gets gets emphasized a lot more or with bukuru the mole who's a ninja uh, it's like very subdued ninja movements and then turns into a mole and goes for some more like ov- overtly like tricky movements in a way that I think is a really good expression of the character's personality. Yeah, I, I think they really want you to press that beast move button. Like they really want you to take advantage of that and just like let loose. And I think it also fits, fits like like with the theming, right? Like you have these kind of like low-key characters that turn into these, you know monstrosities that basically you know jump like they jump on you and uh, like rip your neck out as a throw mm-hmm. um yeah for but, sure and then there <clears throat> and then there's you know some of the super we haven't really done too many supers i think and it's kind of a shame because i i prefer to use supers as finishers but this game does the thing where if you do a super that kills the opponent it just transitions to the next round before, uh, or the round, or the match end before the super animation is over. Yeah, it doesn't give you any special privileges. You never ended. We never ended up seeing the end of Alice's super, though you know from personal experience what it looks like. Yeah, where she just like th- like curls you up into a ball and just like throws you everywhere. This game also has a ring out mechanic, but I'm not one hundred percent sure whether the ring out is just upon the final hit or where yeah, you can seems... actually ring out uh, during uh, well... the match. Given the way it went for us, I feel like it must be the case where it's it's purely like it's a cosmetic finish where if you hit someone into a wall with the final blow, you get a ring out. Yeah, I feel like it, it's like that because mo- almost all of the arenas are just square shaped. I think they're different sizes, but like all of them are square shaped and with uh, breakable walls. I think mm-hmm. some of them, some of them, I think uh, maybe we haven't played on those stages, but I think there are some that don't have breakable walls, as in like the walls are solid, but. They have at least, like, some breakable options to, you know, kick your opponent into the void. Mm-hmm. For sure. Which which looked very funny, because the outside of the ring is not super rendered, as you might expect. And so it's just kind of like, oh, they just fell, and they're just lying on the blackness now. <laughs> yeah, I, I think their entire budget, in terms of how much RAM and just, like, how much they can display, just went on the characters. Because like if if you think if you think about it like Tekken back in the day didn't even have walls like it was just like an right. endless void and a JPEG. I mean the frame rate on this game for a 3D fighter owns. So yeah, and also <laughs> like like a lot of the details on the beast models seems to be like even better than the main characters because I I noticed that like on the beast characters you know like we don't have the uh, shovel arms that the uh, PS1 models usually have they actually like render the entire. Like like hand with the fingers and then some of the in, in all the beast modes, which I think is you know really damn good. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, we. I think I think we we went over most of it. I I I would really like us to try and figure out a way to play Bloody Roar Extreme. So for those who mm. don't know, this series had like a third game and then had this weird spin-off slash re-release of 3, which was called Extreme on some platforms and then something else on other platforms. Yeah. Extreme and- on Xbox, Primal Fury on GameCube. 
I think they are fairly similar. There might be some balance changes, but I think they're fairly similar. And uh, they they have a character. So I don't know, I don't think I've actually told you this. Um, uh, when they um, had a poll with their uh, fans, like which uh, animal form they'd like to see, uh, uh-huh. I think the fans trolled them, and they all like the majority of them voted for penguin, and they were like, well. We can't like put a penguin in, and they had to put a penguin in. So you have this one character who has two beast forms. One is this dingy, tiny little penguin, uh, and the other is like a flaming phoenix. Ha! Huh. It's pretty funny because he looks like some like fancy prince, bishonen, pretty boy, and then he turns into like just a penguin. It's not even like 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 you know like. Some big buff penguin with, I don't know, like claws or whatever. It's just like a penguin. It feels like you should have a reverse zoanthrope in this. You should have someone who's like, who's like, you know, like, bird the human. And when they hit the button, oh, they turn into a person. They So that brings me to the fourth game because the fourth game had some very stupid. The fourth <laughs> game just like is really bad. It has like the, some really bad mechanics. It replaced the beast gauge for double health bars. It just plays badly. And. Uh, I think there was one character who was actually like a human, but then their instead of their beast form, they just had like a powered up form or something like that. Like I don't know, four is really bad. That's why people don't talk about it. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that's that's unfortunate. Um, yeah. I do like. Honestly, I feel like um, so. This is a really popular podcast, right? We've got listeners around the globe in every major media corporation and company, right? Yeah. Uh, so Studio Trigger, uh, you're currently making a show called Brand New Animal. You probably would like a fighting game for that. You should contact Aiding and have them make it. They're probably just going to contact uh, uh, Bark System Works because they did the Kill a Kill game. Yeah, but this, like... Bloody Roar mechanics would translate perfectly into that. Yeah, but I guess I I I just I I would you know I would just prefer a new Bloody Roar to be like a ninety style game complete with the like wild guitarist soundtrack. I would too. I'm just trying to figure out what kind of business deal I can actually make happen in the real world. <laughs> I think I think the more I think the more reasonable business deal would be for me to earn a lot of money or a lot of credibility in the industry and just pitch that game to somebody eventually. Mm, mm. I mean, that's how Nier Automata got made. So you know, maybe. <laughs> I guess that's true. That's true. Maybe in twenty years. Like, just do a just do a total a total reboot. Pretend the the previous games never happened. Use those characters again. But listen, your story's complete trash, man. You don't need to <laughs> sequel the story. I mean, I would just call the first one Bloody Roar Beastorizer because I want to use Beastorizer again because it's so stupid. But then you do can that. Look, like like yeah, and you, then it's clear it's a reboot. Yeah, yeah. Or you could just call it the Bloody Roar. That's a classic. <laughs> Deep play roar, no, or just bloody roar parentheses, whatever year it's released in. That that people always love that when games are released yeah, like that. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't you wouldn't put the parentheses on the. You'd have to put that on the wiki page. You just call it bloody roar on the game. Yeah. It'd be uh, it'd be pretty get it'd be pretty galaxy brain to do the parentheses 2020 <laughs> or 2021 on the cover. And then, but then, then you have to put a sequel that's actually pretending as though the previous game had like the proper number so it would be like you have Blade Roar 4 and then Blade Roar and then Blade Roar 6 
or you go the Madden route, and it's just like every year there's a new there's oh it's 2022 now we've got Bloody Roar 22. Oh, sorry, we don't call it Bloody Roar Six. We call it Bloody Roar V. Like, oh, sorry, Vi, like V and I. Yeah, like, I was gonna say like that. <laughs> that is really confusing, as if it was Bloody Roar V when it was number six. Uh, but yeah, yes, no, uh, I just, I just want them to bring this back. It's good. It's really fun. Would you play it again? I guess that's like the good the question. Would you play this game again if people were like, "Hey, we have a way to play it. Let's go." Absolutely. Like if I I there's a local retro game store that opened up near me. If I see a copy of Bloody War for a decent price, I will pick it up because I will, I'll I want to rope some friends into it when they hang out. This is good. I like this. Yeah. Yeah, I I think this is really good. I'm going to rope in some Discord friends to do that. But yeah. Well, six. When you're not out shopping for used copies of Bloody Roar, where can people find you? Uh, then I'm probably out shopping for used copies of PS2 Gundam games. But if I'm not doing that, you can find me on Twitter at six detmar s i x d e t t m a r, and uh, you can also find my work at scanlinemedia.com or patreon.com/scanlinemedia. Okay, well, and you can find me on twitter.com/mdkii. That's mdk Roman numerals two or MDKI or whatever. Like, I don't know how we're pronouncing it now. Now I've confused myself. Uh, but you can also follow me on twitch.tv slash real Soviet bear. What about MDKI? MDKI. Oh, God, that sounds like a. Well, it wouldn't uh, be Kai because you'd need an A, wouldn't you? Yeah. Key, I guess. MDKI. So that would be like a doctor from the Kingdom Hearts universe. That's what it sounds like. Mm, sure. I don't know. Key just sounds like like a JRPG name to me. No, I I I totally hear you. Um, but yeah, well, thank you all for listening in. Uh, and until for notice, aka until more fighting games come out, come out, we're gonna be digging more into the uh, retro ruins of fighting games and finding stuff good and bad. They call me Hugo the Wolf because I'm downright fierce. Uh, and because you drive a Hugo, like a car. I, that's also that's all. actually I, I used to now I drive a Geo but they still call me that. Wait, you used to drive a Yugo? No. Okay. <laughs> I'm playing okay. along with the bit. <laughs> no, sorry, I I knew it was sold in the U.S. I was like hopeful, but anyway, good night, everybody. <laughs> Peace. <laughs>